0: Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Now, I know most everybody in here is familiar with Facebook, aren't you? Who's not familiar with Facebook? I mean, well, we got 100% of everybody in here. no everybody probably has seen at one point or another this line on Facebook. I'm in a relationship. In a relationship. And and sometimes the same person is in a relationship this week and next week is in another relationship. In relationships all the time. (laughs) And and I kind of have to chuckle at that. You know, because I'm like, duh. We're all in relationship. Every person around us we're in relationship with them in one way or another may not be a romantic relationship and i know what people mean when they put that you know they're all giddy and stuff they met their future mr and mrs or whatever and they're excited and all that stuff but but we are we are we are divinely connected especially as believers in the body of christ now we relate to people in the world in a different way than we relate to people in the body of Christ there's a different kind of connection we're all of Adam's seed, so we know that don't we all of us were born under Adam so we're all born into sin and this kind of thing we have to wrestle with that and some people never overcome it or or or, or respond to jesus and 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 confront that thing in their life that's causing them all of their problems though they don't realize it but uh we're we're all in relationship now some relationships are fostered and grow and others are fleeting and last only until another quote unquote relationship is established so what is a relationship well I'm glad you asked because Merriam Webster defines a relationship as this the way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected you know wolves are in relationships you know that a wolf never hunts alone. Wolves hunt in packs. They're related that way. That's, that's the way they relate to one another. My, my little doggies are related. I got my two little shisus. If I take one of them without taking the other one, the other one mourns till the other one gets home. You know, they, they're in relationship with each other. They're brothers. They're, they have a, a platonic relationship with each other. They're, they're, they're just connected that way. So that's how they're connected. That's how they're related. The way, uh, another de- definition is the way two or more people or groups regard and behave toward each other. That's how we relate. And, and you've probably heard me say this many times about the, the body of Christ. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. How we relate to one another in the body of Christ. That's the most important aspect of church life. It's not the building, it's not uh, how much money we got, it's not how big we are or how small we are, it's it's how we relate to one another, how we relate to Father God, how we relate is the most important thing about being a part of the body of Christ. Now, I, I wanna I want to share with you a, a, a passage of scripture and First Corinthians chapter twelve verses 14 through 27, which is a pretty lengthy passage, but I'm going to read it to you anyway, so hang on. It says, for the body is not one member but many. Remember that. The body is not one member but many. Now, we are related. We are more closely related as a local fellowship than we are with the overall body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ is massive. You know, we're not all there is of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is every believer who has been born again by the Spirit of God. And we relate to our brothers and sisters. I have relationships with my brothers and sisters in Mexico and, 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 and Jamaica and Russia and other places that I have been. And we still relate, though we don't relate as, as closely as we relate here. And, of course, nobody relates any closer, probably, I don't relate to anybody any closer than I do with my wife and my children and my family. And we see how that that works. So, but 1 Corinthians says that the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. I'd like to see a talking foot, but you know, that's, that's, it's not for this reason, any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason, any less, a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, what would the hearing be? If the whole hearing would, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as he desired and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which are which we deem less honorable On these we bestow more abundant honor than the member which lacked. So that there should be no division in the body, but that we should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now, like I said before, there, there are many different kinds of relationships platonic, familiar, romantic, business relationships, like interests such as sports, crafts, hobbies. But there's no relationship that is perhaps more intimate than the relationship that we have with God. That's the number one relationship that we should have. That should be first priority in our life. How do we relate to God the Father? Some of, him, some of us just relate to him as God. He is the divine creator. He sits above the heavens, and he rules over everything, all of life and everything else. But apart from that, he has nothing to do with us or anything else. So he's just the God way out there, or as some would put it, the man upstairs. And that's what we think of God. That's how we relate to him. And so knowing that God is there, we can either call on him when we're in trouble rest of time ignore him or we can blame him for all of our ills and all of our failures and everything else that goes wrong in our life because God is ultimately in control and that's the way some people relate to God but a deeper relationship with him is this knowing that through the blood of Jesus Christ because of what God accomplished through him at Calvary, we have been given divine access into a relationship with him where he becomes our father and we become his children and it's a much more intimate relationship so that now we climb up into our daddy's lap and we say, Abba, Father. By the Spirit of God, this is the only way that this can happen because no man comes to the Father unless he's drawn, no man comes to Jesus unless he's drawn by the Spirit of the Father. Now, that's a, that's a mystery that, that some of it escapes some of us, so and we can't really tap into it. We don't know the intricacies of or how that works, but all I know is that by faith, it works. By faith, it's the way God has established it. And that's the only way that we can come to God is through faith. You know, believing God and 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 accepting this mystery, accepting this diadem, accepting this this idea that that the God who is above everything, who owns it all, the the, full, the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell in it, knowing that God owns it all and yet knowing that God cares enough for me to want to have a relationship with me. That's an awesome thing. I love to get up in the mornings long before anybody else does before the birds are even singing before anything else happens and I just cannot lie in the bed I try folks I try to stay in bed I can't even when I've got time to lay in bed there's something inside of me that calls me I think it's what the psalms call deep calling to deep well God is calling to the depths of my spirit he's saying arise my love Come and spend some time with me. So I crawl out of bed and I go and I get my Bible and I turn my lamp on and I turn my lights on and I sit in my chair and I get into God's Word and Father just begins to talk to me. He just talks to me. And we have an intimate time with each other. And I talk to Him. I mean, I don't know about you. Some people would call me weird if you ever saw me sitting in my seat in the morning hours talking to no one in particular but to him just talking just quietly having a conversation with him with a cup of coffee maybe or or my Bible and just, just, just having that intimate time with the Lord that's what starts my day that, that's the kick start that's what really gets me going that's what perks my engine that's what gets me through the day is that time, that intimate time that I relate to my Heavenly Father. I've been in relationship long enough with my wife to know that I'm an early riser, her not so much. And as a young husband, I was ever so foolish to try to awaken my love (laughs) before she was ready And like one fellow said, someone asked him the question, do you wake up grouchy in the morning? and say, oh, no, i let her sleep. <laughs> but, you know, with age comes wisdom. And I have learned that, that her clock is different than mine. So I allow her, her space and her time to kind of creep into life. Me, I jump into it. And she kind of she slips into it, slides into it, you know. And, and, but that's just our relationship that we have with one another. And some folks would, would think sometimes that when we're relating to one another, we're in an argument. We're not. We're just having a discussion. <laughs> that sometimes can kind of get elevated because until we reach that point of agreement you know one of us has got to to win you know what i'm talking about <laughs> but i always get in the last word which is yes ma'am <laughs> whatever you say dear so that that always works out good but no i'm 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 really being serious but <laughs> 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 you know <laughs> God has put within each of us this built-in desire to know him. That's why there's so many religions, you know. And even folks who say there is no religion have their own religion because their God is themselves. They, they believe that they're in control of their own destiny and everything else and that there is no God and that, you know, that maybe they came from a monkey and really with that kind of thinking, sometimes I would have a tendency to agree. But but we know different. But what is religion after all? Religion is man's search for God. That's what it is. Religion is man's search for God. Well, I like the fact that I don't have religion because I wasn't searching for God he searched for me and he found me. I was found by him because if the truth be known, I was not looking for God. I was so far away from him that, that God called to me by his spirit and he drew me by his spirit into a loving relationship with him. So I can't call that religion because I wasn't looking for him when he found me. I was the one that was lost. God never was. He knew where he was all the time. And more importantly, he knew where I was. And he drew me by his spirit into a loving relationship with him. Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 12, two chapters apart say identically the same thing. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seems right to a man. And there are a lot of religions that that on the surface seem to be good seem to be right but are ever so wrong because that's what religion is it is man's search for god but a relationship that we have with him is god's search for man that's not religion that's a relationship that is predicated upon the fact that God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you are a whosoever. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you dare to, to believe it enough to confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then the Bible says you shall be saved. You know, what does that word saved mean? It means delivered. It means delivered. It means made whole. It it means so much more than just having your ticket punched and on your way to heaven. It means that you have divine access into the family of God, into a relationship with God Almighty, that you can talk with him, that you can, you can converse with him, that he will converse with you, that he will show you great and mighty things when you call upon his name, that he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that he will take away all the worry and the doubt and the confusion of your life that you're concerned about and all the things that you're concerned about because the beautiful thing about the relationship with our God is that God says because you have a relationship with me, you can cast all your cares on me knowing that I care for you. God cares for us. God cares so much for us. Folks, I I, got to tell you all this. I just, I I can't help but because when God does something so awesome, you just got to testify of it. A little over five years ago, y'all know my story. We we basically ran into a situation in a church where there was basically not a, uh, there was a vision, but then there was another vision and when you have more than one vision, you have what? You have division. Because division is the word die, which means two. And vision, many of the things that we see, so you're having two visions, and one person has one vision, and, and, and another person has a vision that God has given them, but this person disagrees with this vision, so then there becomes a problem. So what happens is, if you got more than one vision, in a, in a leadership role or whatever, then what you've created is a two-headed monster. So the best way to deal with it is to get rid of one of the heads. And so what that meant was we either had to stay there and fight or we could just walk away from it, which we did. We made the choice to walk away from it, which was one of the most painful experiences that I've ever experienced in my life. Because in walking away, it wasn't that you, go, you could go peacefully away, but there were insults hurled and things like that and hurtful words and things. And so what you have to do because you're in a relationship in the body of Christ is you can't take it personal. You have to forgive. And just say, Lord, I forgive. And make room for God and let God handle the rest. You know, I mean, we had people coming to us saying, you ought to sue, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, everything else. But what good would that do? Because according to the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you have a problem in the church, you're not to take it to outside courts to deal with it. You're supposed to deal with it. As brothers and sisters in the Lord because God has given us the wisdom and the ability to do that. But you can only go so far. And as it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 19, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. So we did all that we could do. And we had to leave the rest to God. And so out of that, Destiny City was born. Not that we were trying to divide or anything else. We knew that God had called us here. And our leadership, who was over us in Evangel Fellowship International, recognized that as well. They gave us the blessing. They gave us the, um, the go-ahead and the encouragement to establish Destiny City, which we did. And when we started, we were basically like Abraham, get thee out. Go to a land that I've shown you. And, you know, we, we took nothing with us except a beautiful group of people who, who chose to come along with us. And God established this church. But what God has done in, in five short years has been nothing short of miraculous. It's just amazing to see what the Lord has done and what God is doing. And the beautiful thing is we could not do it ourselves. There's no way. There's no way in God's green earth that this group of people could do what God has done. There's no way. I mean the very fact that God called us out and and I was out of the pulpit no time <laughs> i didn't I haven't missed a Sunday that since all of this happened, the Lord has just stepped right into our destiny, and when God puts you into destiny, his hand is on you 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 know you're going to be all right and and I can just tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of how God has met and exceeded everything that we can imagine according to what his word says in Ephesians 3.20. For he's exceedingly abundantly able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. And so knowing that, that God had called us, knowing that God had planted us, knowing that God had, was it easy? Well, I don't read anywhere in the word where it ever said it would be easy. But it's been exciting. And it gets more exciting to see. And, and I know there are challenges ahead believe me. But this morning, I want to celebrate the victories that God has brought us to in a relationship with you, knowing that you have chosen to come along and be part of it. And and it's this relationship, it's out of this relationship, out of the relationship that God has formed in this body of believers that we've been able to do this. It's not something that I have done. It's something that God has done through you. All of us working together, all of us being a part of of the body of Christ this fellowship of believers that God has called together here in Salisbury and and we can see how we we all work together now now the cool thing is using the analogy that Paul used if if one says that I'm the foot that I don't have a need for the head I mean if you cut off somebody's head what good is a foot? You know Or if you cut off the foot the head's going to miss it Big time, but we all working together, and 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 the, the beautiful thing is each one of us has different gifts and talents that God has given to us to make things happen. And you guys have made it happen. I mean, Johnny White and Frank and and Rick and and all of you. I mean, good gracious. I mean, if I start naming names. I have to go down the whole list of all of you who have worked so hard. And just let me say all of you. You know who you are. You know what you've done. You've done so much. Some have, given, some have worked diligently and given of your time and, and your skills and those kind of things. And and, and one of the things that, that, that I, I still know is God didn't call me to be a carpenter. Because I still can't cut a straight line thank God some of the carpentry work we were doing in the church didn't require me to cut straight lines because, you know, it's just not my thing. I'm, I'm always amazed at somebody with Frank's skills. Frank can can take a pile of wood and make something beautiful out of it. You know, I can take some good wood and make something look so ugly and detestable. I think I shared with y'all that I remember one time I, I we had a dog and they needed a dog house. And so, I went over to Lowe's and I looked at the ready-made dog houses and I thought they were pretty expensive and I thought, you know, I can make a dog house. So I bought all the materials which added up to more than what I would have paid if I'd have bought a brand new one. And then I take it home and I build a dog house and the dog house, dogs wouldn't get close to it. They looked at that thing. They never did go in it. I mean I would look out, it'd be pouring down rain, the dogs would be standing outside. (laughs) And I don't blame them. It looks scary. You know what? I was a youth pastor back then, and and so what we finally ended up doing, I was kept looking at that, that thing one day. I said, There's got to be some useful purpose for this thing. So I thought, oh yeah. So we had a foot fire and food fellowship. We played football. And we lit that thing on fire, and we roasted marshmallows and weenies on it. Best usage of it that we could we could get, because, but that's that's just the way it is. You know, each one of us have our certain wheelhouses, certain things that we can do, and that's our calling. That's that's what that's what God has placed us here for. And, and in Romans chapter twelve, verses three through twenty-one, it, it, it talks about that. It says that. Uh, And, and, you know, really, this is quite possibly one of the greatest discourses on proper Christian relationships in the entire Bible. There's some other good ones, but this is really good. It says, for through the grace, if I say grace, Grace. given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think about that for a minute. Stop and ponder that. There ought to be a salive beside that. Shame they don't do that in the New Testament, which means to stop and pause and think about it. Not to let each man think more highly of himself than he ought. Now, what that means is that that some of us think we can do it all. Well, we really can't. You know, when when we have that inflated ego, when 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 we hear the song "How Great Thou Art" and we think somebody's singing to us when they're not. You know what I'm saying? It's just we think we can do it all. You know, and and. And unfortunately, I I used to kind of think along those lines that, you know, in doing ministry, you got to do it all because God's called you to minister and he's placed the mantle on you. And so it's your responsibility to do all things. You got to lead all the songs. You got to do all the preaching. You got to do all this. You got to do all the painting. You got to do all the cleaning. You got to do everything. You got to, you know, but what I found out ultimately is this that if you burn the candle at both ends long enough, you're going to run out of wick in the middle. And God hasn't called you to do it all. You know, there's a song that says, through it all, not do it all. So, not to think of himself more highly highly than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each such a measure of faith now God has given each one of us in here a measure of faith some of us have faith to move mountains and some of us are still getting up to the mole hill you know we're getting there but it's taking time but faith grows faith is like a grain of mustard seed it starts out small but as it's nurtured and as it's planted in the right place and given the right nutrients it grows and becomes massive that's what faith is like that's what Jesus likened it to so each of us are given the measure of faith, and so as our faith grows, we can take on more responsibility in the body of Christ. But each one of us have a place to function within the body of Christ. Some of us aren't ready to cast out devils yet. Because if we tried in our puny faith, that devil would beat the tar out of us. You know, we don't, we're not there yet. We haven't learned how to use the weapons of our warfare correctly. We haven't learned how to, we are not skilled in the Word of God, but the Bible says study to show yourselves approved unto God that you might be a workman who's not ashamed, who rightly divides the Word of God. So we get there. It, it, it takes time. It takes development in the body of Christ. But it's still all about relationships. We're helping one another in that. And what I discovered is I'm not helping you if I don't let you develop, if I don't let you take on responsibilities, if I don't let you do certain things, if I don't entrust you. So I've got to learn to trust people. If you drop the ball, then I'm going to fry you real good. I'm going to love on you and help you get back in the race. We'll try it again. We'll try it again until we get it right that's why i'm here ephesians 4 says that he gave to some apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for what purpose for the edification of the body and the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry who's to do the work of the ministry the saints My responsibility is to train you and equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, part of that training is giving you responsibility to do. It's all about relationships. It's how we relate. And so, you know, to be able to do all that we have done at this building over there is a divine example of what God wants to do on a greater scale. That's just a building. That's just a place to do business for the kingdom of God. Once we get the building built and we get inside, it's not the place to sit down and go, ah, my work on earth is done. It's just beginning. It's just beginning. Because God gives us these tools for a purpose. It's to bring more people into relationship with him and more people into relationship in the body of Christ so that the kingdom of God can be expanded. The kingdom of God can go forth. That's what it's for. It's all about kingdom. Everybody say relationships is all about kingdom. That's really what it's all about. How we relate in the kingdom of God, understanding that God has called us into a kingdom relationship. Relationship. What did Jesus say in Matthew Matthew six thirty-three? Somebody come on, help me out a little bit. Say that again. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Everything you have need of food, clothing, all of these things shall be added unto you. A precursor to that, it says don't worry about things. Why are you so anxious? Stop worrying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when we get into a strong relationship with Jesus, we learn that we don't have to worry about anything. Y'all know how, much, how many nights I have lost sleep worrying about what's going on? None. None. Now, I've spent some nights so excited I couldn't sleep. When the Lord does something great, you know, sometimes I get so stoked I just can't. I'm like, oh, God, I can't. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited I just can't. I can't get over it. I just can't go to sleep. It's just too good, you know. I'm afraid if I go to sleep, I'll wake up and it won't be happening. It's just too good. But worry It's something that God has helped me to overcome. I don't worry. It does no good to worry. Cast your cares on the Lord. Let him handle it. He's bigger than you are. He knows that your adversary, the devil, comes around seeking to devour you. He knows he's like a roaring lion who's always yipping at your heels and always barking at you and always growling at you and always trying to discourage you, always trying to bring you down and all these kinds of things. But he he gives us the key to overcoming him, and it's very short and it's very sweet. It says, Whom resist standing steadfast in the faith. Resist the devil. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and he's toast." He, does, he has no power. He has no authority over you. But when you draw near to God, what are you doing? When you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, woo, you found a place to dwell. You found a place to hang out. You hang out in God's presence. The devil has no, he can't come there. He cannot. He can't. He has to flee. He has to run. So when we have that kind of relationship with him, it's cool. All right. Now, how how far did I get? Not very. Verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. Everybody say, let us exercise them. What good is it if God has given you a gift if you don't use it? What good is it? Do you have a singing voice and yet you remain silent? Are you going to let the rocks cry out and praise the Lord in your place? If God has called you to teach and he's given you that ability and you have the desire to sit down and study and read the word of God and you're filling yourself with all this knowledge and you're not letting it out, all you're doing is polluting yourself. You become, because the Bible says knowledge puffs up, but the spirit gives life. Oh, I've got a doctorate. So stinking What? I heard Dr. Paul Walker say one time, he said, if you took all the doctors and degrees that have ever, ever been given to all the learning men and women in the world and you laid them end to end across the Sahara Desert, you know what you would have? A good start. It's not about what we have up here that really counts, it's what we have in here. Because faith works by love. And if we don't have love in our heart for people, all the knowledge that we possess is useless. Because it do, all that it does is puffs us up. You know, I, I, I have a doctorate. And I've used it a couple of times. I remember calling to school one time. And I said, this is Pastor Don Bess, And I'd like to speak with so-and-so. Well, we'll have them get back to you. And the next day, they, they hadn't called me, so I called them back and said, this is Pastor Don Vest. I'd really like to talk to so-and-so. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, he has appointments, and he won't be able to get to you till next week. So I thought, hmm. So I called the next day. I said, this is Dr. Don Vest. Can I speak to so-and-so? Oh, yes, sir. He'll be right with you. And within 30 seconds, they were on the phone. Crazy, isn't it? But that's just the way the world looks at things. But really, whether you have degree or no degree, if you have a great degree of love in your heart for people, that's the most important thing that really matters. Because it's all about relationships. The more we shift the focus off of ourselves and onto others, the more blessed we are. Now, let's get back to our scripture. If prophecy, if uh, uh, prophecy, and since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us exercise them accordingly if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith is service in his serving or if he who teaches in his teaching or he exhorts in his exhortation he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness and verse 9 is the most important one let love be without hypocrisy Have you ever heard somebody come up to you and say, oh, I love you, brother, only to find out that they've been tearing you up behind your back? Is that kind of hypocritical? Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. In verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, the first part of that is easy. The second part is a little more difficult. Giving preference to one another in honor. Preferring the other over yourself. Okay. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. And practicing hospitality. Hospitality. It's all about relationships, isn't it? The more we shift the focus off of what we want out of the relationship and work on ministering to others through the love for them that God has put in our hearts, the more the relationship will work. This is pleasing to the heart of God and reveals who Christ really is. I I, I was puzzled for a long time over this particular passage of Scripture. And, and it's found in John. In John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26, And this is when when Philip and Andrew came to Jesus. And it says in verse 20, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Now Philip told Andrew about it, and together they went to ask Jesus. And Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their lives more in this world will lose it, and those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And then he says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be from where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now, I mulled that over in my heart and my mind and really gave that some thought. And you know what Jesus was saying to them? If they're going to see me, they're going to see me through you. Because I know what my destination is and I know what my destiny is. I'm going to the cross. And if you're going to follow me, that's where you're going to go. Because if any man comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. It's a relationship that we have with God where we acknowledge that we're not all that. That at the foot of the cross, the the, 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 the ground is level. All of us are the same. Whether we be rich or poor or, or uh, honorable in the sight of man or not, at the foot of the cross, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And we're in a relationship with one another. And in this relationship, when we come to the cross, we make a decision to deny ourself and take up our cross and follow Jesus. Because we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, by the seed of God, by the Spirit of God. We're new creations in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away. All of our old actions, the way we used to act, the way we used to carry ourselves, the things that we used to do, the things that used to get our attention, our desires, everything changes. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter three. He says, this is what some of you were. This is what you are now. This is what God has called us to be now. It's not so much what we were then, it's what we are now. Now, you don't even want to know where this former scumbag came from. You don't want to know and I don't want you to know. Because he's dead and gone and buried and that's in the past. But I am here to tell you today that I'm a child of God and I love Jesus with all my heart. And I love all of you. I love, I love people. I love people. People are the most important thing in the world. People. As much as I love dogs. People are the most important thing in this world because we are created in the very image of God Himself. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, you look just like your daddy. You look just like your daddy, literally. Because you're created in His image. If you want to know what God looks like, look around you you created in his image. He's put his heart inside of us. When we're born again by the Spirit of God, something changes inside of us. Where that old selfishness, that old ego is gone out of us. That's why when new believers, isn't it amazing when you see a new Christian, they just love everybody. They're hugging everything inside. It's like love potion number nine, you know, just. It's so full of love until they get around with some seasoned saints and start to change into some morphed-up thing. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. But God has called us to love one another. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have relationship, if you have love for one another. That's the most important thing how we relate to one another now a love relationship doesn't mean that it's all honey and sweet and everything all the time because if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 you see what love doesn't do love doesn't what doesn't disappoint it 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 doesn't criticize it doesn't it doesn't despise. It, it believes all things. It hopes all things. And it seeks the best in other people. You know? And sometimes in, in, in the world, people will look, and the first thing we do want to do is we want to measure the faults we see in others to see if they measure up, you know? We want to we see, do they have the criteria to fit within my social realm? Thank God Jesus doesn't do that. He just looks at us and says, congratulations, you're accepted. And you're accepted in the beloved, every one of us. And we have this relationship with him. And when we first start developing this relationship, it's just like going out on a first date, you know. We're all giddy and everything. We're so excited. But we really don't know who we're in relationship with until we get to know them. And the beautiful thing about being in relationship with Jesus is the more you know him, the more you love him. And the more we're in relationship with one another, the more we get to know each other, the more we begin to realize, hey, they're not so bad after all. And it might be just the reverse. They're a lot worse than I thought they were, but thank God, through the grace of God, I can love them. But God gives us the grace to do that because it's all about relationships. Now, I'm in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with every one of you, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, get over it. And the beautiful thing is, if you're part of the body of Christ, you're my brother, your sister, or my sister. And the thing about being in a family is, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. Like it or not, good, bad, or indifferent. You're stuck with your relatives. So we've got to love each other. We've got to have that relationship. And we work together. We do things together. We accomplish things together. Uh, you know, my wife grew up at a, a long legacy of, of Lyreleys. And, and all, the, all of the Lyrele clan live on the East Road inside of, of Salisbury, out on uh, Sides Road there. And if you go down through that community there, you see all these houses that have been built by it down through there. And most of those houses prior to 1970 were all built by relatives. They would all come together, they would build each other's house. Now we hire people to do it. But back in those days, they had relationship with one another, they would help one another, they would build their house. And so each one of them had their house built by their by their relatives. It was a cool thing. But because of lost relationship, when we start going in opposite directions and, and we lose that connection that we have with one another, then we begin to lose those values that we have. And the thing about the body of Christ is that God wants us to have this divine connection, this divine relationship that is based upon love that we have for one another and forgiveness and grace for one another, realizing we're in relationship. And and you can't avoid that relationship. Now, if you get mad and run off at somebody, you know, somebody hurt my feelings and I'm going to another church, what's going to happen to that other church? Somebody else going to hurt your feelings and you're going to run off to another church and pretty soon you'll run out of churches and you just say, well, I'm just done with church because they all hurt my feelings. All I can say is learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Paul said it in Ephesians 4.32. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath get over it forgive one another and even as much as god in christ has forgiven you so forgive one another so we learn the art of forgiveness and how can we learn the art of forgiveness unless we've ever had an opportunity to practice it amen And thank God, God will start out small with some of us. And one day he may give you the ultimate test to see if you really have learned how to forgive. You better be ready for it. You better learn your lessons now because in reality we're in a relationship with one another and we have divine connection with each other. And if we're going to maintain the life of God within ourselves, we can't divorce ourselves from the connection we have with the body of Christ. Because if we do, that brings certain death. We have to stay connected. We're in a relationship that God has called us into. It's God's doing. It's not our own. Well, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that We have divine relationship with you. That you made a plan before the foundation of the earth was ever established. And Lord, you wrote down all of our names before the foundation of the earth. And you chose us in him. You chose us in Christ Jesus so each one of us have been chosen. But, Lord, until each one of us responds and understands that we are our Father's choice, then we don't understand or comprehend this great love that you have for us. So, Lord, I pray right now that the Spirit of God would touch our hearts. And if we never responded to your love before, if we've never responded to your invitation, then I pray, Father, that right now, today, would be the day that we say yes to you, Lord. Because this relationship that we have with you is the greatest relationship that has ever been established. Throughout the annals of time, Lord, nothing will match it. Nothing ever has or ever will. This great love that you have shown us. Lord, having forgiveness of our sins and having the joy of the Lord in our hearts, God, and having the peace of mind to know that our sins are forgiven. And that we're in right standing with you so that we are not standing under the judgment and the penalty of sin, which is death. We thank you for that, Lord. While every head is bowed and nobody is looking around this morning, I want to ask you an all-important question. You may be here for the very first time. You may have been here many times. You may have heard this message many times or a message similar to it. And the Spirit of the Lord has tugged upon your heart, whether it's just this first time or whether it's been many times. But right now God is tugging at your heart and he's saying now is the time that I want to begin a new relationship with you. Jesus is calling. He's come calling right now. And he wants to have a relationship with you and you with him. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will have fellowship with him and he with me. That's relationship. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.